here we are. And eating cookies. Yeah. Well, what else do you do on a Sunday afternoon when Corona has taken over the world? Uh, I don't know. Open a beer. Can we have a short therapy session? Uh, yeah. I have this weird recurring dream and it, I was just reminded of it when you dropped something on the ground and I thought for sure it was my computer. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. You heard a sound. I am feet from your computer and you thought I arbitrarily just like dropped it on the floor. To be fair, I did break a very special plate of my roommates last night, so that is not completely up base. I'm sorry right. to my roommate. Like I said. Also sorry for the interruption. Go on. Um, I have this recurring dream that my computer gets stolen, and I just want to talk about that for a minute. Whoa. Because I feel like that's PTSD, like, in some weird way. Mm-hmm. Like, never before has my computer been stolen, and, and I should probably knock on wood, but... Why do I feel so afraid in my dreams that my computer is going to get stolen? Do you have like a lot of stuff on there that is not backed up? Yeah, because, definitely. Kyle, like millennial number one, back your shit up. I know I could put it in the cloud, but put I it in the don't. cloud. That's right. what the cloud's there for. Well, we I made, we made the cloud for this purpose. I have all this time coming up on my hands to sit around and. Yeah. Put things on the cloud, so I guess that's what I'll do. But this is like in 2018 when I got the flu. I literally went in and organized my Dropbox, which is the sentence that made me feel like a psychopath until I could go into my Dropbox and actually find things. And then I felt righteous as fuck, and it was great. That's delightful. So, F the haters. Well, I'm here's sorry to for your, your quarantine <laughs> and yep. therapy sessions. We're hanging in and eating cookies. Welcome to the pod. Welcome to the pod. Episode three? Trace. Trace. Uh, I'm Kyle and that's Liz. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm keeping it snappy. Can you tell that we've been inside for days? I'm Kyle and that's Liz. No, that's still wrong. <laughs> I'm Liz and that's Kyle. You want to do the pod today? <laughs> I'm doing the pod. All right. Well, let's start off today. With, uh, as, as we often do, with a, a bit of a question, Lay which is, with all this time on your hands, Kyle. Yes. Yes, I do. You and many of our colleagues and many of our musician and industry colleagues are, uh, are taking a knee during this wild time due to cancellations and postponings of many events. And it was brought to my attention by a medium we are all familiar with called Twitter, that, uh, that during Shakespeare's quarantine, he wrote the play King Lear. And I'm sitting oh, here Oh, that old thinking, thing? Yeah, that, that old chestnut. And I'm, I am reminded that these moments of forced quarantine are a little bit like, well, they're a little hellacious depending on where you, you are in your life and how things are going. But they are also a moment to stop and think about what you might do with a little bit of extra forced time on your hands. So that's my question for you, Kyle. What the hell are you gonna do? So one of the things that I think is really, really important for all creative people, obviously we like to live in the musician world because that's what we are and that's what our community is. But I think 
actually it, it presents an interesting opportunity, like you said, to to really create in a time where that's kind of all you've got. <laughs> um, Wait, what do you mean by kind of all you've got? Well, you can't go play shows, right? You can't go sell merch physically. Mm-hmm. You can't be really in the studio. Um, but what you can do is pick up your instrument, turn on the microphone, and open up, you know, GarageBand or Ableton or what have you, and create something. Right? Again, sorry, to go straight to the musician's world, but that's always where my head is. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think, I think for visual artists, it's an interesting time. For uh, writers, like our good friend Shakespeare. <laughs> right? So, close, close friend. Best friend. Close friend. I think that it does present an interesting opportunity for the creation of new work. And, and it's... You know, it's a little sad that we are in this this state of affairs, but I don't know what could come from it is something that could be really powerful. Um, the other thing that I think is really interesting about this time is actually it's a time to maybe step back a little bit, um, spend some quality time with your instrument or with your medium, learning something new or working out that tricky section in the piece or you know I think it I think it could be a time to reflect on on what you're bad at and become better at it I mean realistically we all are gonna spend some some time maybe doing some introspection involuntarily or voluntarily and uh I, I like that suggestion because I think that it puts some structure in that process. Um, I, I have not, I have not been subject to a long period of time indoors under circumstances like this really in my life before, and there are people who have for medical reasons or other reasons, and you know I'm, I'm sure that they, uh, they have their own ways of reflecting on this. But what I'm guessing will happen is of a moment to reflect on kind of what what emerges out of the darkness in this moment. Yeah, because totally I think agree. for me it, it's not it's not all musical, and I think that the recurring theme of mine since I don't know like way way back my Gemini self that I am interested in music, but I also like. Uh, a little while ago, I started writing poetry again, and I have watercolors, and sometimes I make shitty paintings, but you know, like stuff like that is, is very motivating for me, even though I'm not necessarily motivated by creating an output that is audience ready, or that I'm trying to go anywhere commercially with any of that stuff, but I do think that as someone who is excited about creating things, in a low stakes kind of way. I, I am excited for this particular moment because I think it's gonna it's gonna force me out of sheer, you know, exhausting all the options kind of boredom to hit all of that and see kind of what what comes out and jumps out and inspires me most. Right. I mean I think 
volume of output can can certainly result in better work, right? Like if you do, I there's an argument to be made that if you do more, the frequency with which you kind of strike gold mm-hmm. <laughs> um, is is more. And I think that's an interesting notion too, especially during this time of, you know, kind of reflection and and maybe working on personal skills or coming up with new new work, whatever that is, that you you have time to maybe create more than you would if you were up against a deadline or you had other constraints around you. Which means maybe you'll create something that is is performance ready. Yeah, yeah. You know? I think that that concept kind of exists in the traditional sense of recording today. Um, And not to say that everyone does this, but I do know of a number of artists who, when they make albums, they'll fuck off into the woods and they'll write for a while and they'll record like 30 different tracks and they'll call that into a 12 to 15 track, sometimes nine tracks. That's a thing we're doing. Great, fun. But, you know, they'll parse it down into something that they think is a either a cohesive album or something that is commercially the most, I don't know, has the most possibilities. I think that concept very much exists. It's just that we're all kind of being forced to do that right now. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I hope that everyone is taking this in the silver lining sense of the word that, that is that they do get this time. I realize also there's a genuine fear of, driving an income and being able to survive and maybe we can also post some resources that exist out there for musicians trying to do that in the meantime we know that's out there that's not what today's episode is about but um but the hope is that this is a a real inspiring moment for all of us yeah and actually i'll i i (laughs) in this spirit um yesterday was a day of rest and working out some stuff that i wanted to do this week and eating too much Indian food. Mm. Today, I was bored from the moment I woke up. And I knew... (laughs) I knew I was going to have to do something, right? So what did I do? I spent some time on some work stuff. I spent a significant amount of time on creating some content. And one of the things that I wrote today actually came off of this vulture uh, article that you sent me, which I was sort of inspired by, mm-hmm. um, because what I liked about the Vulture article that you sent me, and we'll link to this in the mm-hmm. in the pod, was the exploration of where we've come, and sort of pontificating about maybe where we're going, but they didn't really dig into what you could do to get where they were prescribing that we're going, mm-hmm. and so I wrote that that part of it on the Sonic Medium page. And give us a quick summary. So the 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 whole idea um, is look, we're we're you know self-described business people these days, um, <laughs> just because of the nature of our jobs. I mean, they pay me. I and feel like we have an understanding. Right. So I have a lot of cookies in my mouth. Right so far, so good. Mm-hmm. So in in our lives, this this is something that we think about a lot, but. In business, you would never want to be over leveraged in a single source of revenue, right? It presents risk for the business. 
if 25% of your revenue comes from a single source. You would never want to be that. Except, except in, for musicians, a lot of times 60, 70% of their revenue comes from a single source, performing at venues, right? That's a big problem and, and no business advisor, no executive would want to be in that position except musicians are creatives and we don't want to run our lives by that. We want to make money presenting our art and I get that and that's part of the dichotomy that we've discussed a little bit along the way here and I'm sure we'll continue discussing is the, the music business dichotomy, right? So the, it, it digs into that a little bit um, on a, like just a little bit of a surface level. It, it, I, don't, I don't go too far into how to fix that, but I presented a couple of ideas about how to diversify your revenue streams in this time of reflection. Um, and, and I think, I think some of those ideas are, are just, I, exactly that. They're just ideas. There's tons of ways to, to diversify your revenue as a musician, but kind of with that background story of if we, as musicians are only getting our revenue from one place, that's a very dangerous place to be running a business. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, in, in general, the older I get, the more excited I am about developing a passive income stream, too, which is something that now that the internet is available for musicians, is way more possible to do. Absolutely. Um, I, I'm assuming that that's something that's in your, <laughs> in your article. Yes. If not, just throw it in there. It's going to be fine. No, it's in there. Oh, uh, good. But that's, that's one idea that... I think maybe doesn't occur to enough people because it is, it's by nature, it's passive. It's something that you can kind of set in motion and it exists in the background to generate something for you. Certainly. We see that in a lot of other places, like for instance, the podcasting business with Patreon being a major source of income for a lot of people that are, that are putting these kinds of things out into the world. Right. Um, the same kind of structure can exist for musicians. Absolutely. So not only can you kind of get creative with your mediums uh, and with your, media and with your art you also could probably and should probably get creative with your marketing yeah definitely i think you know (laughs) there's still a branding discussion to be had and we're gonna get there um but but yeah i think i think that's right so with all this extra time on our hands what do you think are some ways that musicians can, aside from generating revenue, use this time wisely mm. to their benefit? I, I would love to hear from people who took the time to go back to the, the OG sources of inspiration for them and, and examined those kinds of catalysts that they uh, that they took their initial inspiration from, kind of you know go back to their roots and dig around in the kinds of things that really fuel their fire. And on the flip side, I'd also like to hear from people who are using this time to get informed about new stuff that's going on. Yeah, um, I think that both of those are incredibly valid ways to stay really engaged in the music world. Yeah, because um, it's just as much about celebrating the past as it is the future. And, yeah. and both of those are incredibly fun, I think, 
if you know that that's an activity that kind of gets your juices flowing, to use <laughs> a phrase that I genuinely hate. I'm so sorry, world. I don't like any phrase with the word juice in it. If the juice isn't it's worth like moist, the squeeze, right? Yeah, I'm Ugh. like, just put a lemon wedge in my drink and let's call it a day, guys. <laughs> put a lime in my Corona and it's all going to be fine. <laughs> Were that Ooh. the case? Ooh. Were it so simple? Okay, great. <laughs> I, <laughs> oh, I love God. that, actually. Can you tell we've been inside for weeks? I'm going to eat all your cookies. It's okay. Okay, That's good. why they're here. So, okay, cool. Let's start with the... The OG. Let's talk about ways in which you can harken back to why you got into this thing and use that as a source of inspiration for not only making your craft better, but maybe even creating new work. Mm-hmm. Give me some ideas about that. Yeah, think, think about the first thing that you did with your instrument or with your craft. So think about the thing that maybe inspired you to want to take lessons or to join an ensemble. And it may have been that that was kind of a passive moment. Like you might've just signed up for band and didn't really remember or think about why. And then you found yourself there. But there was at some point a moment when you decided that you were going to stick with it or you made a conscious choice to say, I'm going to go try out for this ensemble. I'm going to try and go out for this youth orchestra. I'm going to take this audition. I'm going to go assemble this band with these people and I'm going to make a recording. Try and identify maybe one of the earliest moments when you did that and examine why you did. Was it someone saying something to you? Was it something that happened to you that you were incredibly successful at? Were you motivated by a reward of some kind? Were you re rewarded with, with a feeling of you know, creative sentiment? I mean, thinking about those kinds of things, I think is a really healthy way of examining how you self-motivate. A lot of the time, you know, we might be talking to people about about these processes who have been in the game so long. It's like, you know, why are you still doing this? And and sometimes you can lose that thread a little bit, you know? Like it's it's easy to kind of go through the motions of anything that you're doing, whether it's music or finance or any other sort of, you know, thing that you get paid for in your day job. Um, but if you have a way to remain connected to the initial kind of kindling of your inspiration, I think that's a, a wonderfully a wonderfully centering thing to keep in the back of your mind. Um, I, that, that happened to me a lot during my late teens and my, my early college days when I was still really f trying to figure out like how I had landed in a music program. <laughs> I was like, wait a second, what am I doing here? Um, and then I would go to see these performances or I would like, I would go to the Met with my grandparents. They were like season tickets, uh, season ticket holders at the, the Met Opera in New York for a really long time. And randomly, I am a, a, a super opera nerd and really love it. And, um, and I would come out of those performances being like, yes, this is awesome. This is why I do this. Yes. We're now joined by the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> we should get a studio. It's going to be great. No, I like this. I like this because the, the beer fridge is close. Actually... Here we go. We're in. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, so one of the things that I was thinking about is, um, you know, who you're inspired by and the school of thought you decide to follow when 
you're on your musical path, especially early in your musical learnings. And so for me, like there was a school of thought that I just agreed to follow, especially at the very beginning of my musical um, path, like musical journey. And what I think would be really interesting now, I'm I'm very much so in the in the like orchestral percussion world, um, which is where I come from originally. There, there's like the Philly school, there's the Cleveland school, there's the Boston school, and and it's you know it was originated by the folks that taught in those areas and their kind of pedagogical ideas, and for me personally, I I lived in the Cleveland school. And so what I think would be a really interesting thing to do right now while you have all this quote-unquote spare time is to maybe take a look at a different school of thought. Maybe take a look at inspiration outside of where you've drawn inspiration before. It's interesting to me to, to be able to apply some of those things. I'm not saying change everything, but I think... I think a lot of musicians can resonate with this school of thought idea. Like if you're a guitarist and you grew up listening to certain guitar players, if you're a drummer and you listen to, you know, Art Blakey and Tony Williams and that influenced how you drum, like maybe it's time to listen to Sput Seabright or someone, you know, Neil Peart, like somebody who is just totally outside of your norm of the thing that you studied quote unquote and figure out if there are things that you like about that school of thought of that drumming technique of that guitar you know background whatever it is and maybe there are things that you can infuse into your playing that makes you kind of renewed that brings some freshness to your you know your writing or to your pedagogy or Whatever it is, mm-hmm. I think that could be a really interesting angle, and I think, look, you've got the time to do it right now. Um, I've been, as somebody who ha- hasn't spent a ton of time in their life creating content, specifically, I, I've obviously lived a lot more on the strategy side, um, and executing is something that I'm really passionate about making 2020 about for me personally, because you learn a lot from doing, I think, and so I've like I said, like, you know, writing this medium article, creating content for the major platforms, like that has been something that I've spent time doing. And then what's really great about that is you can learn just from doing it. Right. It's Mm -hmm. like the, it's like the, you know, on the job MBA, like it's, there's, there's, I think a lot of value to doing it and learning and doing it and learning and doing it and learning and then continuing to just change what you do. So, so anyway, to get back to the musician here, like, I think maybe consider a different school of thought or spend some time studying a musician that you haven't studied before and see if there's something that resonates with your your current output or future output that could be really, really interesting. So, Liz. Talk to me. We got all this time, right? I'm a guitarist. I'm a keyboardist. I'm a drummer. Mm-hmm. What tips do you have as a musician yourself to get into that woodshed and make the most of it right now? 
Mm. Okay, name of the game for me is going with a plan. Because if I am like, I should just sit down and do this, nothing will feel like it gets done. And frankly, that extends to like all areas of my life. If I'm like, I'm just going to sit down and answer some emails, like I come out of it feeling like nothing happened. But if I'm like, I'm going to go in and I'm going to answer these emails and make sure those people know what's happening, that's better. So in the music sense, if you can identify specific shit that you want to work on, start there. Because otherwise, it may not feel like a productive use of your time if you're aiming for nothing. That's tip number one. Tip number two is to like make a set amount of time that you're going to go about doing this and then stop. Like walk the fuck away. Wander away. Do something different for 15 minutes at least. But save yourself. For every hour that you practice, make it 45 minutes of doing your thing and 15 minutes of off time. And that off time can be listening to excerpts of what it is that you're trying to learn or listening to people play other shit or reading a magazine about the guitar whatever it is that you want but but make it something that is a different change of pace for you and your brain so that you have the ability to be as prolonged as you want to or need to be to do this because we're all in this for the long haul man buckle up it's true it's true and i mean i i took a different stance on that practice 45 minutes off 15 minutes thing when I was a student. So I hated practicing and I would imagine there's lots of people on the planet that agree with that sentiment. It's a necessary evil and to some people. And what, what I was able to do to make myself better was I never spent more than 15 minutes on any single thing. Um, so that was something that, that really helped me, and I, I got a lot better a lot faster when I realized that about myself. Again, self-awareness coming at you, man. That's It's the name of the game. And the more I learned about myself within these practice sessions, the more I learned that I didn't like it. Not playing, but practicing for the sake of practicing. And the if my attention could really only be held for about 15 minutes. So I would switch, like, if you know, if I was practicing one piece or, you know, working on some tune or some instrument, I would just switch that a lot. And I could probably practice for three hours at a time, but it never felt like three hours because every 15 minutes I was doing a different thing. So even if I wasn't taking a quote-unquote break, I was... I was just doing something different or like, again, like, like you said, like listening to something or just trying to be inspired by a different thing for 10 minutes or, and again, it wasn't 15, 15, 15, 15. It might be 15, 5, 20, 15, 10, you know, like Mm -hmm. it wasn't a, a perfect science, but that was something that really helped me a lot. And I got, I started to see, look, you know, one of the things that we talk about as entrepreneurs and marketers and but I think, I think this is true for virtually everyone, is that a linear growth curve is never as satisfying or as good or going to get you where you want as fast as an exponential growth curve, right? So anything you can do to push yourself towards exponential growth is better. And for me, it was all about trying to figure out ways to turn that linear curve into an exponential curve and get better faster. Legit. Makes sense. 
Yeah. Makes sense. You know what's really funny to me? I was Tell telling me. a friend of mine this recently. Um, he's like, I, I'm on this new fitness journey. Love a fitness journey. Love Been a fitness journey. I know. I'm like, I can fill a bookstore with my fitness journeys at this point. Um, but I was like, oh man. And I got reminded of my own previous fitness journeys. And I think it was like maybe like 21, age 21, 22, when I started weightlifting for mm-hmm. the first time. And honestly, this is the stupidest thing to say out loud, but it is doing that that made me feel connected to my own practicing. <laughs> it was like picking up heavy pieces of metal and putting them down again and doing that repeatedly and then doing it with slightly heavier pieces of metal every time that made me really connect to the idea of repeated incremental progress. Yeah. And I had been a musician at that point for like, I don't know, 17 years or something, but it really, like, the physical manifestation of that made me appreciate those kinds of things that much more. Which, side note, is an argument to, like, do other shit besides your music. I gotta say, I think that's also a really fun byproduct of this moment, too. Doing extra, yeah. extra musical things are not, like, in addition to, but outside of music. Doing extra musical things can inform how you think about your day job and your creative process and the things that kind of make you successful let's dig into that a little bit because that's the other side of the coin i think right one of the 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 last few minutes we talked about how to harken back to those original skills what's the og thing that got you into music right what's the new stuff how are you finding new inspiration i'm excited by the the generation that's coming after me because they are living in such a time that is so alien by virtue of the technology they have versus the technology I didn't have. Um, and it's so wild to me to see how they respond to that. The, the idea of making your own music at such a, a young age because you have these digital tools in front of you. The idea of being able to publish that stuff so immediately the idea that you as a person as a you know a young voice can create these vast followings with a charismatic personality and you know maybe some some financing and a and a, an iphone screen like you you can do so much with so much less nowadays that i genuinely feel like everything is fair game and Maybe I should be fair to my generation that it, it's not that it wasn't for us, but it definitely is a very different world now. Yeah. I mean, access to information is... And look, to our credit, like, we are not that old. Uh, <laughs> but there's a generation... That's so sweet of you, <laughs> ...behind us that only knew one thing, and that was the internet, right? Streaming services social media it's the only thing they've ever known and and we're right on the border of of being in in that generation of people who never knew the world without the internet in our you know in our very young years there was no internet i remember windows 95 was like the big hit and getting that aol thing with the boing 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 Mm -hmm. thing like that that was that was a game changer Oh, yo, I straight up right. wrote papers where I had to, like, go to a library and look shit up. Encyclopedia Britannica. It was great. Absolutely. But because there's so much access to information, you're totally right. I mean, the amount of musicians that are turning up in the world 
at the age of, I mean, I just saw this drummer the other day, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, and, and better musicians than many people my age who have been doing it for a lot longer, but they've just, they've lived in this world of only being able to, to see it as it is, right? And we have perspective we've we've lived a little bit longer and someday they'll be saying the same thing about the generation behind them circle of life man it's beautiful and so you know youtube is probably we're gonna look back on youtube as the thing that changed education hmm. we're, we're seeing that right now actually what's really interesting to me is um the the school closures that are happening nationwide are in, inspiring this very interesting remote learning phenomenon that's that's always kind of been there in the background. We've worked with partners that have been doing this kind of like virtual learning thing for a while, but um, but now everyone has to do it. Yeah, and you can study math and you can study history and you can study English remote remotely. I think far easier than you can musical disciplines because there is a practical trade related kind of physical skill involved with music. And then there's also the ensemble part of it, which is very, very, very interesting. And it, it's been it's been tough for music educators to wrap their mind around how to do that. Fortunately, um, I think there are people that are situated in such a way that they can facilitate that conversation with the platforms that are in use, but also with fun, exciting kinds of experiences and um, and and ways to. To, to remain connected among the musical community. I think one of the, the fun examples of that is someone like the, uh, the New World Symphony in Miami. They, um, they have this incredibly wonderful facility. You and I have both been there, Kyle. Yes. Um, that is connected via one of like the world's fastest inter- internet connections. Like I, I don't remember what kind of witchcraft internet they have, but, <laughs> but it allows them to do essentially kind of like concerts and rehearsals in real time with ensembles all around the world and and they've used with no latency thank you for reminding me that the latency is the thing um it's been it's been really interesting to see that kind of thing get more and more popular because you know global village man we're all trying to do this stuff in a way that is uh i think keeping up with the speed of business and interest and um and the forthcoming generations that are just hungrier and hungrier for new and different information. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I, I, I actually think that is uh, the thing that is going to define the next 10 years. That access to information with the generation behind us is, is how the next 10 years evolve. Um, and it's super exciting to me. I don't it know. is super exciting. I think, um, I mean, these next few months are going to tell us a lot about how that stuff works. There are probably going to be a number of companies who take advantage of that virtual learning opportunity and enable that kind of learning in the music space in particular. I think that's also a really good opportunity for people that are kind of sitting on their thumbs wondering what to do with their music. If you have uh, a desire to share what you know with the world, give a clinic, give a tutorial. Get some students. I can't impress upon people enough the virtue of doing. There's, there's no substitute for it. You can read as many books as you want. You can take as many seminars. You can read and consume all the content in the world. 
But until you do it, until you figure out how it works for you, you're not going to succeed. And and I think you're exactly right about that. I think there's, I think execution is the name of the game in every sense of the word. We might have a podcast name there. <laughs> yes. Is it time? Is it time for what, Kyle? iPhone roulette? iPhone roulette. We need a song. This is my favorite segment. This is, this is I, I think, one of the best ones we do. Okay. So, let's dig in. Let's dig in. Um, As we peel ourselves off of this leather yes. couch. Yes. Leather couches and podcasts go together like a horse and carriage. <laughs> so, okay, here are the rules. Okay. You're going to shuffle the songs on your iPhone and say the first five to pop up and also why they're in your life. You got this? Okay. You got this. I've been training for this moment with the two beers that I've been drinking along the way. Okay. Um, first up is... <laughs> oh, good God. Okay. We've all been 17, right? I'm in a safe space. <laughs> Fine. Um, the first one is Priceless from A Crow Left of the Murder by Incubus. <laughs> Which, just for everyone who needed to know, like, I I think I, like, at one point wanted to lose my virginity to the song here in my room. I may or may not have even. I don't even remember. It's fine. But, like, they were a, a deeply influential teen angst song moment experience for me. And I've already overshared, so I'm going to move on. <laughs> I'm so sorry, everyone. Our listeners get to know you so well. Including my mother. Yeah, well, you know, I'm an open book. Thank God. Um, Ooh, okay. Um, Next up is Toes by Glass Animals from their their first album, Zaba. Zaba? Zaba? I don't know. Go with it. It's Z-A-B-A. Look it up. It's great. Um, This is fun as fuck. This is a really, really good album, and I love everything that they do in terms of dancing and weird textures and like fun themes that have to do with surprisingly animals. It's good. It's good. Just right. check them out. Um, third is ooh, um, the I think it's the most recent Yesayer album. Uh, the name of which is escaping me. Hold on. What is? Oh it man, I I danced to many a Yesayer tune in college. Oh yeah. Oh, it's Amen and Goodbye from 2016. Great. So yeah, um, and the song is called Gerson's whistle that's a good one it's a really good one Great. i've been rock climbing to that album a lot okay that's a good one um oh first light by my morning jacket from circuital oh that is such a my good morning one. jacket is a great great band my morning jacket is super super plush really good also the background of one of my favorite jokes from the tv show um happy endings from this guy who like broke up with this girl and then he's like, hey, I just found my my morning jacket jacket under your bed. And I, okay, moving on. <laughs> was that five? Was that five? I think it was four. It was four? Yes. One more. What oh, yay. Okay. Final one. This is a great one to wrap up with. Um, it's called Just Out of View by Blake Mills from his album Hey Ho. And if you don't know Blake Mills... Run, don't walk to your nearest phone and download it to your ish because he is so wonderful. He's been behind the scenes in so many, so many artists' work lately. And um, since he's started to put some of his own stuff out there, I think it's been like so wonderful to to appreciate his gifts and his voice. He has a really unique 
like singing voice, but then he's also like a fucking great songwriter. So yeah. worth checking out. Awesome. 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 I love those. Those are good. Yeah. Not embarrassing at all. No, Fine. not at all. I'm sure <laughs> we'll that, do it next time. I'm sure that mine will be doubly embarrassing for how little yours were embarrassing. Oh, thank you for taking it for the team. All right. First song. Here we go. Oh, such a good one. Lorelai by Styx. <laughs> I love Styx so much. <laughs> <laughs> that laugh, I wasn't sure if it was like judgy or if it was... No, listen. So, no, that, that was the same sentiment for me. Um, so Styx is in my life because my dad, who's not... Who likes music, but isn't, isn't like a music person, doesn't identify by music. Um, I remember like going to soccer practice when I was like a kid. And my dad, like my mom always had a rotation of different records going on in her car, like different CDs. Back when you, she was like very cool because she had six CD player in her car. And so she always had a different rotation. My dad had just the one CD player uh, and <laughs> one CD in the car and he never cared to change it out. So he just listened to the Sticks Greatest Sid album <laughs> every time he got in the That's car. Hardcore. So, uh. Yeah, long story short, I know every word to every stick song ever. It's nice that you uh, get to spend the time with your dad, Kyle. Yeah, it's great. Okay, what's next? Oh, ah, Gary Clark Jr., What About mm-hmm. Us. Yeah. In my life, because he's a total badass, uh, recommended actually by my boss, and uh, yeah, just a, a really, really great one, like all the rock Grammys this year, like all of them, clean sweep. So good for Gary Clark. All right, what's next? Ooh, a little sensitive uh, topic, but uh, song Sensei by Chris Brown. Um, I don't... Do we like Chris Brown today? Do we not like Chris Brown today? I don't know. We don't like what he did. His music... He definitely was a shitty person. Yeah. I don't... don't, Remains to be seen if he's changed. Right? I have his songs on my stuff, too. I don't know. We can tackle that topic someday. But... Definitely. Regardless, the music's out there, and it's on Kyle's phone. It's on my phone. Next. Ugh. May he rest in peace. The Trees by Rush. Oh. Our good friend Neil, um, who passed away back in in January. Is that right? Um, And finally, a song called Fire by Kid Cudi. Kid Cudi! Oh my yeah. god, I haven't thought about him in a decade. Yeah, yeah well, he came out with that record last year with uh, that he produced in Wyoming with uh, with Kanye. Yeah. So it's off his Kid See Ghost record. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, like, in high school, Kid Cudi was like oh a whole vibe. Simple as. Yeah. That song rocked my world. So those are my five. Those are good ones. Wait, why is Kid Cudi in your life? Kid Cudi's in my life specifically because when I was in high school, all my friends listened to Kid Cudi, and at the time. <laughs> I was listening to a lot of classic rock, and they were like, dude, you gotta listen to something other than classic rock all the time. <laughs> so I was like, okay, cool. So they like started getting me into stuff. So so one of the first things I, I listened to was was Kid Cudi, and was totally, totally in love with, with his whole vibe, his music, his, you know, outlook. Yeah. Such good friends you have, Kyle. I had good friends, yeah. That also highlights the age difference between me and you, because I was definitely like solidly in college at that moment, which is great. It's great. So many perspectives to offer. That's the whole point. Holla. Oh, goodness. All right, I've eaten approximately 800 cookies. Yeah, seriously. Crushed two beers. You're a champion. My takeaway from this episode is that Rolling Rock is not very good. It's not. 
That might be the name of the episode. <laughs> That's fine with me, and I stand by it. I I, I wish better things. I'm going to laugh when they sometimes sponsor this. Yeah, right. <laughs> Just to get back at us. Oh, God. We'll take it. We're going to be like, we got the big account. No. <laughs> I don't think so. Whoops. Whoops. Does Rolling Rock still make beer? I just drank one. Should you be asking it. me that? <laughs> I got it from your fridge, dude. Yeah. <sighs> what are your takeaways? I have a feeling yours might be more serious than mine. Um. You know, there's sometimes great opportunity and great adversity. So I think I think that's the biggest takeaway. Righteous. You can make something of this downtime, and I think the music industry will be better for it. Yeah, yeah, I don't think there's any any concern that any music will stop being made. It's just a, a little bit of a question mark as to what happens next. Can't wait to find out. Righteous. My All phone right, my just, friend. <laughs> my phone just decided to play some Charles Irwin right now. So Which which happens. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Casual Sunday afternoon I'm vibes. Sorry, world. <laughs> All right, get us out of here, guys. We gotta go. <laughs> Kyle and Liz signing off. Full of cookies, full of beer, full of just love for you and wishing you well. Please wash your hands and stay safe out there. Yeah, and if you like what we're doing, please hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review. Tell us what was terrible and what was great. Yeah. We love both perspectives. Le- lead with the bad, though, because, you know, yeah. we're New Yorkers. We can or, like, that. solid compliment sandwich. Yeah. Which I like. Yeah, good, bad, good. Never fails. Never fails. Okay. All right, friends. Holla. We'll see you next time.